Welcome to NACSW's Podcast of the Month. Our podcast program makes available 20-minute samples of recordings of a wide variety of NACSW presentations and discussions on topics of particular interest to Christians in social work. Our Podcast of the Month program features a new sample podcast every 30 days for your listening pleasure. In addition, you can access the full-length version of this and all NACSW podcasts at no cost simply by becoming a member of NACSW or by ordering a copy of this podcast at a reasonable cost on NACSW's online bookstore. We hope you enjoyed today's sample podcast. Okay, so hello everybody. I'm Dr. Kimberly Hardy. I am an assistant professor at the University of Connecticut School of Social Work and I'm the uh, chair of the Black Studies Focus Area of Study, a member of our Black Studies Project and the advisor to the Organization of Black Social Work Students. So clearly my research has nothing to do with black people. <laughs> right? Everything is relevant. And what I specifically focus on is issues around uh, the black church and religion and spirituality and the African-American community. Um, and so today I want to share with you some work that we've done through both a dissertation study and a replication study, the preliminary data of the replication study, uh, where I looked at African-American Christians' perceptions of health-seeking. And it was specifically looking at religious health-seeking, but there are some interesting things in there regarding professional health-seeking as well. So we're going to look at uh, some data that I thought it would be good to do some history um, in the way, maybe I should have been clear. <laughs> so I'm not going to read this slide to you. You can you can read it. But basically, what it says is the Pew Forum on Religion and Public Life in 2007 is this huge landscape. Uh, they call it their religious, uh, religious landscape survey, and they found that the most religious group of people in the country are African Americans far and away more than any other group and on every single measure of religiosity. I'm going to show you uh, their very interesting charts in a few minutes and you'll see like the disparity is tremendous. Um, and the Black Church's institution is not just a spiritual institution. Its history goes all the way back to the period of enslavement in this country. And a lot of what the needs have been of African Americans in this country from slavery to today have been met through, especially urban churches, the rural churches as well. So when we talk about, uh, you know, sort of disaggregating the black church or African Americans of religion and faith from sort of broader spectrum of faith, this for a really important reason because there are much more religious population, their institutions serve more than spiritual roles, and continue to be a really, really important aspect of the African experience. What we don't talk about as much, though, is pastoral counseling. Now, as social workers and, and mental health professionals, we all know all of the data we show that African Americans are not likely to uh, seek out therapeutic help from clinicians. There's a lot of very valid reasons why. A lot of historical mistrust is, is, you know, is very long. The veterans have been generationally. And so the social profession in particular has sort of advocated responsibility for this. Because they say, oh, well, African Americans don't want to come to clinicians. They prefer more indigenous, informal sources of support. They want to go to the church. And so they say, hey, let's not set up stones, let them get what they want where they want it. But data from this study show that that isn't necessarily the case. So we need to find out uh, what we are not getting. What don't we know about the pastoral counseling process 
because um, it, it is going up. So we'll get to that part. But first, I wanted to give you some background. Why the black church? Up until the 1960s, it was termed the Negro church. Historically, what we mean when we say the black church was these seven independent, totally black-controlled denominations. They're all Protestant, they're not Catholics. So when we talk about the black church in a sort of traditional sense, we're not talking about black Catholics, nor are we talking about black congregations that are part of larger white denominations. So think about the United Church of Christ, so Reverend Jeremiah Wright, or my church in uh, Harvard, Connecticut, uh, a congregational church. It's a UCC church, a predominantly white denomination, with a largely African-American congregation. We're not talking about them in the traditional sense. But now we sort of broaden this so that it does pretty much include African-American congregations across the Protestant denominations. That's what we're talking about. But the disaggregation <coughs> is not something more necessarily of African-Americans themselves. The pew form even disaggregates this when they break it down between uh, Christianity and the other religions. They disaggregate it into uh, Protestant and Catholic and then among Protestant denominations it's a historically black church. So it's, it's been around for a really long time as a, as a sort of separate institution. Now, this is one of the surveys from the Pew Forum. This is the religious composition of the United States based on their data. And so 7% of the U.S. population belongs to historically black populations, um, uh, I'm sorry, churches. And among African Americans total, 59% of them comprise that 7%. So we're not talking about African Americans who are Catholic, for example or who are members of sort of mainline Protestant denominations or evangelical churches. So the, the bulk of African Americans of faith and 80% are, uh, are in these historically black Protestant denominations. Let me know if I'm going too fast. I'm a, I'm a DC person by birth, and so we talk really, really fast to get it all in. So this is, this is really interesting. The circles at the top are African Americans. The circles at the bottom, everybody else in the country combined. Okay, so I want you to wrap your mind around that concept for me because this is how religious African Americans are compared to everybody else combined. So have absolute certainty in the belief of God is 89% for African Americans and about 71 or 72% for everybody else combined. Right? So this is African Americans, Latino Americans, everybody else. Incidentally, the second most religious population is no Americans. Believe in miracles, believe in angels and demons, say religion is very important in their lives, they pray at least daily have an absolute certainty in the belief of life after death. They have a literal interpretation of scripture and they attend worship at least weekly. So, you know, the rest of the U.S. population is far and away not as religious as this one particular racial group. And so if we're going to do work with African-American communities, it has to involve the African-American church. It just does. Otherwise, we're missing the, one of the biggest aspects of this uh, population. So back in the days of slavery, it was called the Peculiar Institution. Uh, as we all know, some of the stuff is the things that you all probably already know, but I like to err on the side of we don't know because 
even when we look at some of the books written about spirituality and social work and things of this nature, there tend to be chapters on this, where there are some authors who have written whole books on this, Lincoln and Mamiya, Chadwick and Taylor, these are really influential uh, scholar writers uh, who have written whole books on things that get reduced into chapters in these broader social work and spirituality texts. Uh, there were actually slave preachers, which I find a fascinating contradiction, that they were free on Sunday morning to preach, and, well, of course, they had to go where their, you know, slave owners took them, but they were free to preach the gospel, and yet, after the sun went down, it was back to being the property of the slave master. So, just things like, how do you reconcile that in your own mind, you know? Um, but that is the beginning of what is a, uh, called the calling, or the call, in the African American community. You can be a preacher in the black church and you don't have to go to seminary. You don't need an MDiv. You need the calling on your life. And I see some nods, those kind of nods that know that I'm telling y'all was running from them. They have the affirmation of nods. I have a praying room. Okay, I'm supposed to so you could literally wake up and say, I feel like I have a calling on my life to preach. And that has always been sufficient for us, which is both a blessing, because there have been some powerful preachers who have just come from the calling, and then not so much, which is what we're going to get into today. Because we put a lot of, we, put, we, we take religion in the black community so, so strong that we believe it's just not right to play with the calling. If you don't really have it, then don't say you do. So if you say you do, we believe you, and you get the reverence that comes with being the reverend just based on the call. And so, okay, reverend, hey, look, now, see, y'all going to be jumping in. So the thing is, if you say you're the preacher, if you say you have this divine calling on your life, then we believe that, which means a lot of the things that you say have a great deal of weight. Mm -hmm. And we're in, in the context of this upcoming political, in the next couple of days, in the next election, there are actually African-American preachers who are telling their congregations not to vote because of President Obama's you know, support of same-sex marriage. Mm -hmm. that, is, that has no policy implication. Mm -hmm. It, it, you know, has, it has no bearing on anything, and yet we're saying don't go vote for, for him if this is your preference uh, because of his opinion on the thing, which has no bearing on anything. You can't sign an executive order and do anything with that, but there are congregations who will listen past the Senate. And remember this line a moment ago? Remember the literal interpretation of scripture. Man shall not lay with man. God said, you know. So there, this is one of the five big taboo topics in the black church is homosexuality. So, and that is, I mean, you can do a lot of things in the black church. You, you know, have somebody come see you in prison. You can kill the man. You came to, you know, prison ministry for a long time. And, and you got your parole. And, the doors of the church were open. Right. Next thing you know, you were usher. You're a deacon. You're a trustee. Next thing you know, a pastor sent you to Bible college. But the choir director, oh, they were going to pastor every Sunday morning, whether it be this boy praying to church. Oh, yeah. I know why. I know I'm in the right room. 
And so, you know, if you have a pastor who says, and this was a qualitative study, um, and the, uh, one of the pastors says, well, if they come in with something I don't know, I just think, well, would you I go to the Word. And I'm like, hey, there's nothing in the Word about some of this stuff, you know, and, and, and we need you to come and talk to us about some of this stuff too. We're going to work together, but we're going to get back into that space in a moment. So I did a study. I did a study the first time for the dissertation, and you know, uh, anybody who's ever done a dissertation, am I alone in this doctor's room, or you're working on one? Yes, okay. You're just trying to get it done, right? Your, your, your dissertation chair says, this is not your life's work. And you start off believing, yes it is. And then you're like, it's been two years, this is not my life's work. <laughs> so it's just to, you know, to pass muster. So we did this study for the dissertation, and the, the survey was done electronically. There's all sorts of research biases when you do an electronic survey. You're missing people who are older. You're missing people who are less uh, educated. You're uh, missing people who are less wealthy. And you're missing people who are a little less savvy. Um, in terms of, you know, filling out these forms and consents that are electronic, click this if you consent, and you know, there's just a lot to that. So we did the study, we got some really good data, we created, uh, I, I created this survey because when we have surveys that ask people things that have something to do with faith, it's typically one or two questions. They're not worded the way the black faith community talks. It's like, would you go talk to your clergy person about these things? And we don't talk like that. And so they're like, whatever, and it's two questions, and it's really not that substantial. So we needed something that spoke to them. We did the study, we sent the materials out uh, electronically, we got some data back to highlight the survey, and found some really interesting data that we're going to go over. Then we did it again. And I keep saying we, I did it again. <laughs> <laughs> it's that social worker, and so I did it again. This time, uh, the UConn School of Social Work, our dean started a uh, research incentive grant. And I'm very happy to say, and my associate dean of research that I to always say that I was one of the three inaugural recipients of this grant. So I got five thousand dollars to replicate the study because not only are you just trying to get done, but it was an unfunded dissertation. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm just, I'm, you know, just trying to get the numbers up. So when you're funded, you can do a lot more. So we did a systematic random sample of 345 churches, and we took eight. Uh, we did the churches, I think the next slide will tell you where, but we did the churches in Prince George's County in Maryland, which is the wealthiest county for African Americans in the country, but also has a great deal of economic diversity. So it was a perfect place to go. It's also in the mid-Atlantic region, and so it's technically southern, but it's not deep south, and it's a little more north, but it's not like New England and stuff, or live now, where it's very different, still a good thing. So, um, it's a good thing, and because people there rotate in and out a lot because of, you know, the Washington, D.C. Uh, corridor and stuff. Um, our target sample was 800. We actually got 715 surveys returned, which is really good. Um, we identified the churches. We contacted them to solicit them. Um, if you could get past pastors and secretary, which was no easy feat. I have turned from Miss Esther. If you can get past Miss Esther, <laughs> Finally, you get pastor on the phone. Most African American pastors have day jobs, 
So you're getting phone calls returned at 7.15 in the evening, you know, so you got to stay a little later to wait for those calls to come in. And pastors like to talk. So you're trying to tell the story of what you're trying to do, and it's like, I think this is a very good idea. You know, I, a friend of mine, he's also a pastor. Uh, and, and, and you Thank you for listening today to this 20-minute sample of NACSW's Podcast of the Month featured selection. Just a reminder that you can access the full-length version of this and all NACSW podcasts at no cost by simply becoming a member of NACSW or by ordering a copy of this podcast at a reasonable cost on NACSW's online bookstore. We also hope that you will consider participating in additional NACSW activities and events, including NACSW's upcoming convention in the fall, our quarterly audio conference workshops, which provide CEUs accredited by the Association of Social Work Boards, and our online continuing education program. Also, we invite you to join NACSW's Facebook group or our Facebook fan page. For additional information about these and other NACSW benefits and services, you can go to our website at www.nacsw.org. Thanks again for listening in to our podcast session today.